Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krauss. I hope that 2022 is being kind to you so far and you're staying happy, healthy, and safe. It's a big show. Today, I'll introduce you to the cast of the new CBC television show called Son of a Critch. That's right, you, you heard me right. If you are a fan of the political commentary and social satire of This Hour Has 22 Minutes, you already know my guest, Mark Critch. Since 2003, he starred on the political parody show. He's photobombed Justin Trudeau. He offered Pamela Anderson a million dollars to stop acting and poked fun at characters like Rex Murphy, Don Cherry, and Donald Trump. And I was I'm not going to build a wall between America... I'm not, I'm not going to build a wall there. I'll build turnstiles so you can leave, see how crap cat is, turn around, come right back here. His latest project is much more personal. A couple of years ago, he wrote a funny and warm look back at his formative years growing up in St. John's, Newfoundland in the 1980s called Son of a Critch, a childish Newfoundland memoir. That bestseller is now the basis of Son of a Critch, which airs on CBC Television and CBC Gem on Tuesday nights. Later in the show, we'll meet Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, who plays the 11-year-old Mark on the show. And, check this out, we'll get to spend some time with the legendary actor Malcolm McDowell, star of A Clockwork Orange and so many other great movies, and who plays Mark's grandfather. McDowell talks about his newfound love of Newfoundland and offers advice to young actors. It is a career of rejection. If you can't take rejection... Don't be an actor. First, though, let's get to know Mark Critch, who plays his own father on Son of a Critch. This must be kind of a meta experience for you. Uh, it is based on your life on a television set that looks exactly like the house that you grew up in, and you're playing your own father. So tell me a little bit about wrapping your head around all that stuff. Well, you know, first it's the book, and then you start writing the script. And when you're writing the script, it's still in your mind, and it's very personal. And then with a book, too, you know, it's... People come up to you and tell you parts they like, but it's almost like a diary in a lot of ways. You know, you don't get as the same kind of reaction as you do on stage or, or what have you. So we put the scripts out there and then it slowly becomes real. The show gets bought, et cetera. Next thing you know, they rebuild the house. And my house was torn down in the 90s and um, they rebuilt it from sketches and photos. And it's very accurate. A lot of the, the items in the home are things like the dining room furniture came from my parents' house. Um, the radio is the same one that I listen to every morning to hear if there's going to be a snow day, you know? And so then the clothing, my dad wore a red jacket whenever he did the news, because that was the uniform for the radio station he worked at. And the patches and the buttons are the ones from dad's actual coat, you know? So I'm sitting there dressed as my father looking down. And when I look down at myself, I see my father. It's his, and I'm at our kitchen table, looking at our kitchen radio and on the corner of my eye is our furniture. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, it doesn't hit me in that moment. And sometimes, you know, being around all this stuff from home, there's that melancholy and, and you you kind of, you know, that, that that sense of loss, I wish I could be there. But then between takes, you know, Benjamin, who plays young me and Malcolm McDowell plays my grandfather, they're laughing. And it's kind of weird. It's like at first the house is almost like a ghost. And then it just becomes filled with new memories and new experiences and new people. And, uh, and it just became this beautiful other thing and, and it took on a life of its own. And do you think that writing about your father and then playing him on television uh, taught you anything or gave you insight to him that you may not have had before? 
You know, it's weird. I didn't think it would because, you know, I'm writing the thing and I'm so familiar with the experiences and what happened and everything. But you, you know, the show is through Mark, young Mark's eyes. And then there are times when there's the stress of a member dad being also have ulcers and things like that. And he's worried about losing his job or worried about money or what have you. And then I'm kind of playing that role and I'm in his head and I'm looking at it as a man thinking of being in that similar situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have two sons. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at it from kind of inside looking out through his perspective before. Which I think to everybody, their parents are in some ways a caricature of, of, a, of a million different things. Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying to like, you know, play it for real because you can't play character caricature with uh, Malcolm McDowell and, and Benjamin. They play everything so small and real. So it makes your performance better. And then I, yeah, I, I did get a great sense of, of, of what he was going through and a lot more sympathy, I think, because you start to see him as a guy, not as your father, who is this, you know, incredible figure in your life. He's yeah. Zeus or whatever. Uh, and, and then it's like, nah, he's just a guy trying to hold things together, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, so that was a really nice experience. I think it brought me a, a lot closer to him. Tell me about working with Malcolm McDowell. When I saw his name on the list, it, my my eyes popped open. Uh, I mean, that is, you're working with one of the most legendary actors of the 20th century. Tell me a little bit about having him on set. Well, just getting him was so weird because we had the same ca- Irish uh, uh, casting people and UK casting people as um, uh, Game of Thrones because we knew we had to cast a wide net to find young Mark. So they, they gave us Benjamin and he was brilliant. We thought, oh my God, we had to get this guy because we'll never get anybody better. And they said, you know, Malcolm McDowell would be good for your <laughs> grandfather. I'm like, yeah, the Pope would be nice too. Could we maybe, could we just get some regular people too? To I'm like, no, no, we think he might do it. I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. And then the next thing he, re- he says, I want to see the scripts. He reads the scripts. They ask for the book. And then he wants to have a Zoom. He said, look, I'm, I want to do this. And I thought, well, what? Uh, and so that was bizarre. And then, of course, that changes everything. Now the stakes have been raised. But he was wonderful and, lo- and lovely and very kind and, and really connected with the scripts. You're listening to my interview with Mark Critch, star of the television series Son of a Critch. And he really connected with Newfoundland and, and he loves it there and he thinks of it as a second home. He said he could live there. And then la- I had to get away from it for a while. He was telling me being away from it, he realized he grew up in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And he said the people are very much the same and the place is very much the same. So that's why he really connected to the place. But he was wonderful. And to see Malcolm, who's one of the best actors of his generation, act opposite Benjamin, who with his, you know, incredible career, he's played Pinocchio opposite Tom Hanks. He's in Blind Man. He's, one, he's definitely one of the best actors I've ever worked with and certainly one of the best of his generation. And the two of them are in a scene opposite each other. And it's lovely. It's beautiful. And it's very, very real. And you think, well, how the hell? Did this happen? Like, how did we get to this point? All these happy coincidences. But there'd be times when Malcolm would finish a scene and the crew would applaud, you know? And one time in between takes, he's like, you know, do you mind? I might, I might cry in this one. I'm like, yeah, fill your boots. You don't mind? If you can cry, cry. And he goes off and he takes it to this other place and he does this subtle tear and the crew just cut and applause, you know? And I'm thinking, I can't go in there. I can't go. <laughs> Somebody else, get out, Hako. 
<laughs> you know, I'm like, I can't do this. So it, it was incredible. But the great thing about them, though, is is I've learned, and I know every time I go in, it's comforting because if I'm in a scene with the two of them, I know I'm going to be the worst person in the scene. <laughs> so that's a great comfort. It's very freeing, you know. So uh, yeah, no, it's been, uh, I mean, the thrill of my career by far. You talk about actors crying. It makes me think of, I, I interviewed Sandra Bullock uh, a few times and she, we were talking about crying on set for something. It must've been a, a scene that she had to cry. In. And I said, you know, how do you do it? Is it a method thing? You think of sad things. She goes, no, I can cry anytime I want. And I said, go ahead, cry for me. And she said, which eye do you want the tear to come out of? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Benjamin, I just spoke with him, plays you as an 11-year-old. He is so talented. A lot of uh, younger actors can be kind of precocious. I never got that from him. No. He, there's, there, it's very natural. Uh, it feels real. Oh, he is very bright, very socially smart as well, and emotionally smart. And just lovely. Just a And his parents are lovely people. They're not like show business people at all, you know? And um, we, they were, they were wonderful, very collaborative. We always, you know, had them right next to us while we're producing and directing and doing all these things. And he is um, just a wonderful, kind person. And it's just a joy to be around him. And he and Malcolm in between takes too, they will laugh and, and, and have a wonderful relationship. They're both big uh, Liverpool supporters. And so we'd go to like a pub on Saturday and watch the game, the three of us, you know, and uh, so they had a wonderful bond. But yeah, Benjamin is, uh, I've, I've never come across it in my career. Malcolm is, is brilliant. He's Malcolm McDowell with the weight of Malcolm McDowell, yeah. you know. But what Benjamin has is this effortless ability to, to kind of hone and find a, a beautiful nuanced emotion in a scene that doesn't seem like acting. Yeah. It's, it's a different kind of a, a choice he makes. And it's, it's just amazing to see. It's like almost like being pickpocketed uh, doing a scene with him. You know, it's that uh, deft. Uh, it's beautiful. So, yeah, I, I was seeing his audition. It was kind of like, oh, God, I wish you hadn't shown me that. Because now there's no going back once you see something like that, you know. And so we were luckily we were able to get him. Uh, but if we hadn't, it would have colored the whole thing for me i think i'm going like ah if we only had that other guy but he was uh uh yeah but he is a wonderful person and and uh, a very kind soul yeah i love how specific the show is uh set in newfoundland set in the 1980s uh and yet all the themes that you're talking about are universal theme. And I think that will expand the appeal of this show beyond being a sitcom set in Newfoundland in the eighties. It's about that, but it's about so much more as well. That's where I think what, when Malcolm really connected with the material and Benjamin really connected with the material, he could have been doing a dozen other things, right? Uh -huh. He had lots of big offers on the table. Malcolm, of course, too. They both picked this. And I thought, well, that's interesting. They really connect with it. They've never, they've never heard of Newfoundland or, you know, and, and so I thought, okay, well, that, that's, that's comforting to see. And that's what I hope. I think we'll win on this if someone in their 80s can watch the show and think it's for them. And someone who's 12 or 13 will watch the show and think it's for them. And then someone my age who grew up in the time will think it's for them. In terms of its structure, 
that it's not, you know, a laugh every 10 seconds or 20 seconds, whatever the sitcom formula is. But it kind of reminds me of the idea behind Roseanne, where you're allowed to have kind of heavy moments, but then, you know, give those a beat or two to, to play themselves out. And then there's a laugh, a big yeah. laugh after that. And it's like real life, you know, people laugh at funerals. Uh, people, uh, you know, uh, aren't uh, laughing or serious all the time. Sometimes they're a bit of both. And sometimes it happens, you know, uh, uh, spinning around in the same conversation. Yeah, that's what I really wanted to do, you know, make it that kind of a pace where it's like a kettle boiling. Every now and then you got to let out the steam. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. Right, yeah. But let it go, let it happen, and let it be real, and uh, and it's, and it's fantastic, and uh, in in that way too, you know, this is exactly the show I wanted to make, and I thought too, it's like, well, this is the show I want to make. I wonder if I'll get to make it. Probably not, right. you know, because yeah, there's so yeah. many voices and things that come in. But this is exactly what I wanted to make, and I mean, you know, with your experience, how rare that is in this industry. So I mean, I got to pull off. I. I hope everybody likes it. I hope it's a success, but I realize I'm never probably going to get to do exactly what I wanted to ever again because it's so rare. So I'm just happy I had that opportunity that most people don't get. And that's this is fine. <laughs> if this doesn't go any further, I'm like, yeah, man, I, I kind of feel like I'm going to get pulled over at any moment by someone and saying, stop that. Well, it must be very, you know, it's obviously very personal to you, uh, but the idea that you get to make what you want to make, as you say, that never happens. Uh, you know, this is a business of compromise and thousands of decisions and, you know, on and on and on. It's rare that you you have a vision from the beginning through to the end that actually comes out the other end to what people get to see that is unscathed from, you know, the point of conception. Oh, it's incredible. And, you know, even like, the cast is like you know uh, Sophia Powers, who's this wonderful young actress from Vancouver who plays the character Fox. I mean, it's like she walked out of my head. You know, <laughs> we've been so lucky with the cast; um, they're all so so fantastic, and we have a beautiful score, and we've been able to get some authentic songs of the time too. You know, and they have a good some good needle drops in there because I hate it when you know, it's a, a fake name for a bag of chips or yeah, yeah, when yeah. It's, a, it's a sound alike song or something like that. I'm like, oh, come on, let's just go in. Let's make it happen. Make it real. Everyone has just been incredible. Of all the terrible days of my lonely childhood. Name's Mark. St. Paul's Elementary, class of 85. The first day of junior high was the worst. Why aren't you wearing sneakers? They're orthopedics. I didn't think I needed orthopedic shoes, but I stand corrected. I'm not a runner. I'm more of a stroller. Were you bullied? How'd you ever guess? I've got this quote from you where you say, uh, it's like seeing my life flash before my eyes, but very slowly. So you're <laughs> in this weird position where you get to binge watch your own life. That's uh, That's got to be an unusual feeling. It is, you know, and, it, and it's... It's so strange in that way where there are flashes of, you know, real, every episode, the spine of it is real, you know, yeah. and so far. And, um, and then you add in all this other stuff and then you're seeing it play out, you know, it's really in the peripheral vision that it seems like a memory. And then it's so different. And, and now it's taken on this, its own life, but it is all these different moments. And I was watching a cut of an episode the other day and we're giving notes on it. And I actually thought, huh, you know, the same thing happened to me. 
And I thought, oh my God, you idiot. You know, I, I actually thought that. But I said, oh no, you moron. And so it's like, but you get lost. It becomes a job. It becomes a, not a job. It's never been yeah. a job. It's a joy. But it becomes this other thing you're working on a TV show. And every now and then you go, oh, right. That's, that's me. Oh my God. You're listening to my interview with Mark Critch, star of the CBC television series, Son of a Critch. And whenever they refer to, whenever I hear, like it's Mark is the character and that's fine. But when I hear somebody in interviews like Benjamin Evan Ainsworth plays Mark Critch, and I'm like, oh, that's a weird sentence to hear, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's like you, it, it, it's the the reality of the situation. It's like an old AM radio. Sometimes the station comes in and out, right? And that's what it's like for for me, kind of dealing with it. The house that I grew up in in Nova Scotia used to be a vaudeville theater. It was a <gasps> giant old oh. building my dad had a business on the bottom a furniture store in the bottom and then on top was this giant apartment that we grew up in but oh it had God. been a vaudeville theater so uh, down in the warehouse downstairs you could uh, look and there were still like posters on the walls for acts that had come through and stuff no but the place was massive and so i leave in the 80s and then I come back a number of years later, well, much more recently, like within the last four or five years, we were down there and uh, the, the house, the building is being renovated and they're turning where I used to live into like six different little apartments. And then the downstairs is going to be renovated into a few different stores. Uh, but I, I got one last chance to walk through and see it before it was all gone. And on the wall, while I was growing up in the kitchen, it had been installed in the 1950s and it stopped working sometime in the 1970s was a radio that was installed in the wall. It only got one radio station because there was only one to listen to CKBW radio. Uh, and uh, it stopped in 1976. Let's say, I don't know. I leave. I'm gone for 35 years or something. I get to do this one last walkthrough and that part of the of the apartment had not yet been touched. They haven't touched a, a, any of it, but they were doing some pounding on the walls near it. And as I walk by, this guy's going, we're going to tear down all this wall. Boom, boom, boom. And the radio sputters to life and CKBW starts coming out of it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, yeah. you know, that's it. You know, like I, it's all alive to me, you know, the, the, the things, the place, the house, the time, it's all. And it is weird in, in this. It is like walking into a memory, yeah. but then you, any melancholy is thrown away by these new memories, you know, like, yeah. like anytime you sit like, Oh, I miss my house. I miss my parents. And Benjamin laughs at something Malcolm says, it's like, right. no, this is, these are, this is a new, the house is full again. Yeah. I'm just get to be here. So it's it's lovely that way, and it's nice to see people connect with uh, your 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 parents after they've been gone, yeah. or 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 mentors or family members like that. I mean, the best thing best thing that happened to me this whole experience. One of them was, I mean, there's been so many, but I remember when I wrote Anne Murray read my book and gave me a quote for the back. <laughs> And then she said, you know what? I really wish I'd gotten to know your mother. I wish I'd met your mother. Uh, and when yeah. people say things like that, they say, oh, I wish I'd known your It's like, you know, call yeah. me a bit sappy. But I mean, it's, 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 it's like, okay, well, geez, okay. I, I did my job. You yeah. know, I, I did my job. And, and that's good. Son of a Critch, which you'll find on CBC television, was created by Mark Critch, who we just heard talking, and Tim McAuliffe, who has worked on shows like The Office, Last Man on Earth, and MacGruber. 
I asked him what he felt people would relate to in the stories on Son of a Critch. Comedy and also the heart that Malcolm brought just blew us away. And, and so that to me is what people are, are going to relate to. And, you know, and Claire Rankin um, with her such a, a, a strong character and such a strong um, voice in a house filled with four men um, is uh, something we also couldn't have written. And so it really, Mark and I were just sort of blown away every day watching, watching these people go on set. Malcolm said one day, he's like, I'm just gonna go and cry in this scene. And it's a pretty heavy duty scene. He cried and everyone started crying. And we realized like the, the request that Benjamin was making, asking him to be a, a sponsor for, for his confirmation is something that obviously is, you know, people understand and, and they've seen before. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a rela relatability there, but at the same time, the way that Malcolm interpreted it, just, you know, I think that vulnerability comes through in, in the heart and, and that's really what I think people understand, even if they don't know this world. Co-starring along with Mark is the legendary Malcolm McDowell. For 50 years, he has created memorable characters in movies like Alex DeLarge in Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange and the title character in Caligula. On television, he starred in hits like Entourage and Heroes. On Son of a Critch, he plays Pop, Mark's grandfather. Malcolm McDowell joined me via Zoom for a wide-ranging conversation from California. Congratulations on Son of a Critch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a quite a, a quite a title, isn't it? I, it is. It sticks in it sticks in your ear, I think, once you hear it. Uh, tell me yeah. a little bit about shooting in Newfoundland. I, I know you've shot plenty of films in Canada, but uh, yeah. Newfoundland might have been uh, a first for you, shooting it there. Yeah, it was. It was a first. Uh, the nearest I've shot to it was in Halifax in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. But but Newfoundland is a, is a whole different deal. It's the most remarkable place. I'm, I'm so um, thrilled to have got to shoot there. Now, I didn't really, you know, think much of it when I said, well, where are we shooting it? It was like Newfoundland. I went, where the hell is that? You know, <laughs> is that Lapland or somewhere? Are we in the Arctic Circle yet or what? Um, but um, it, it's the most, I, I just had the best time there. And I just love everything about it. I love the fact that it's like being in a bubble. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's so far from anywhere. You have to really make an effort to go there. So if you're not from there, you know, um, you wouldn't go there for a purpose unless you wanted to see the wreck of the Titanic or something, or you were just dying for a real fresh piece of cod. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, it is such a cool place. And physically, it kind of the old part looks a bit like um, Scotland or Ireland or something, you know. <clears throat> and also, it has that feeling of those countries in it, you know, a lot. I guess uh, the pioneers were all from probably Scotland and Ireland, you know, um, very, and, 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 and Scandinavia too, probably, I don't know, but, and also the whole history about, you know, which I love um, about the, all the convoys would, you know, would um, be all there before they crossed the Atlantic. And, and, you know, all the, you boats would be hanging out right off there, just wait, waiting to pick them off, you know. But 
you know, um, it's it just the whole history of the place. And of course, going over there with Mark and him showing me around. And he even made me a member of the uh, Crow's Nest Club, <laughs> which do you know what it is? No. What's that? Well, it's um, it used to be for naval personnel in World War Two, where they'd have this bar and it's, there's a club. And, and you, you know, you join the club, you got, I've got the tie and everything and the blazer. I've got the badge. You, um, it's just like a barn. You'd go up there and you can sit and look out over the harbor, you know, uh, it's just, but it has a, it has a reciprocal thing with a, the in and out club in London, which is hilarious. So I went looking for that. Um, <clears throat> And uh, it's moved from Piccadilly, which is where it was in the war. So you go in one gate and out the other. And it was for all military personnel, you know, um, American officers coming over, which were, there were, you know, thousands of them. And Canadians and all the allies, you know. And, and now it's in St. James's Square. So uh, we went there, but I went there with... A friend of mine, and they went. Yes, well, you have you you don't have a tie or a jacket, so you can't come in. I went. No, I just wanted to see it. And the house that they're in, the building, used to belong to Nancy Astor. She was this very wealthy, but one of the Astors, right? Yeah. The American family. But she was the first woman member of Parliament. She's the one that famously said to Winston Churchill in one of the corridors of the House of Commons. Uh, Mr. Churchill, you are drunk, sir. And he said, yes, madam, you are ugly, and I will be sober in the morning. <laughs> I love Such that. Such a wit. Such a wit. <laughs> You're listening to my interview with Malcolm McDowell, co-star of CBC Television's Son of a Critch. Did you get screeched in while you were there? Did you hear about that? Which, the what? It's called being screeched in. Oh, yeah. The pipes. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, but, and, no, and you kiss yet. a cod and you, there's all sorts of things that yeah. go along with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, that's I guess I'll to, do that next time. Yeah, something to look forward I, to. I, I know, I'm sure we'll be back. You know, uh, there's a long way to go with this show, I think. Well, what I like about this show is that it's very specific in where it's set and the time yeah. which it takes place. But it's yeah. universal. Uh, the things that it talks about are things that I think kids can relate to today. And I think that's what will give it longevity is yeah. it's a bit of nostalgia for people like me that grew up in the 80s and yet yeah. new audiences can watch it and, and see uh, things that they can relate to. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as far as me reading it, I didn't have to know anything about Newfoundland to appreciate it. I did not know that this whole thing with these cucumbers was a true story. Yeah. I didn't know that this pop, you know, this character was obsessed with uh, wakes only because you'd get free sandwiches and tea. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, reading the uh, bits and going, yeah, Henry Smith died. Oh, my God. Well, he was a prick. Uh, oh, the wake. I mean, the... You know, they didn't even care. <laughs> and of course, he dragged young Mark and um, and he, you know, he's like the um, his sort of philosopher in a way, you know, his um, touching stone. 
And it's sort of a, a beautiful relationship, actually, in many ways. And I really love, you know, Benjamin. He's a wonderful actor and he's such a nice kid, you know. Um, God, it was a pleasure working with him. And, you know, and he's, of course, he, he knew everybody's lines. So <laughs> if I couldn't remember what I would say, I'd go, yeah, what's my next line? What's my next line? Uh, okay, thank God, got it. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Know-it-all. Yeah, 10-year-old um, know-it-all. Yeah, Of course, he knew everything. <laughs> Uh, I, and I loved him. You know, I loved the kid. He was just absolutely a beautiful actor. I never thought that I was working with a child or anything like that. It was like, um, I'd be, you know, I'd use him as if I was working with Albert Finney or Alan Bates. He was just, you know, he's just, well, he's that good. He's that good. The kid is really something. He's going to be, well, do you know, who knows? Listen, it, when he grows up, he may not even want to be an actor. You know? Yeah. So well, um, you've yeah. been in the game for so long uh, that yeah. that you would know. You've got that perspective of someone you stayed in it, but you must have seen people get out at some point and just yeah. say, you know what? This life isn't for me. Yeah. You know, listen, it is. It is a career of rejection. Mm. If you can't take rejection, don't be an actor, you know. And that's okay because, uh, listen, I always tell young actors, if they go, you know what, we prefer the other one, you can say to yourself, that's fine, your loss, and walk out. That's it. End of story. That's how you get through, you know. <clears throat> And um, as a young actor, you know, you all, I mean, you, there's always a list. And very rarely are you number one on that list, um, which is fine, too, because sometimes it'll come, you know, out of left field, something will happen and, uh, and you'll kill it. And they go, my God, we can't think of anybody else now. Then that's, you know, that's just the way it is. Did you have a mentor, much like Pop is to young Mark? Did you have someone in your life that was sort of your touchstone? Yes, but um, he was my first film director, Lindsay Anderson. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was a dear friend and a, and a very great artist. He was a very great director. You know, um, he was like as good as it gets. And I was privileged to know him and uh, work with him quite a lot. I did a few plays with him. He was all, I mean, he was a great uh, play director, but his films are very personal and very extraordinary. And he only made a handful. Mm -hmm. But they are, I think, masterworks. You know, if there's, well, this sporting life yep. with, with Richard Harris. Those are two of my favorite movies, I have to tell you. They are on my top 10, both of those films. Yeah. If is about as perfect a film as I will ever be in. Yeah. It is perfect. It, and it, what's so cool about it is that you it opens where you see this young boy coming to school to the term and you think, oh, you're, it's like Tom Brown's school days. Right. Yeah. And then suddenly... He disappears, and and um, you don't even think about it. But it's like 
very extraordinary um, script writing and filming to do that. Because to follow a character in and then go with the sort of, well, you know, it was such a film of its time, but also can be very, very relatable today, you know, because, you know, the um, establishment were absolutely um, up in arms when this film came out, a betrayal of the class. Right. And, you know, of course they would say that. Um, but, you know, after the Second World War, the, the stifling and the shoving down of the, you know, working man, and, the, and not only that, but the elite, you know, just grabbing everything. And, um, you know, England is very class conscious, or certainly was then, let's call it the UK, because it was very class conscious. And, you know, where I'm from, from Liverpool, you were considered a second class citizen to somebody that was from Surrey, you know, <laughs> God help us. And, and also these Southern English are rather supercilious, you know, rather think that they're rather something, you know, they go around like there's a bad smell under their nose or something. <laughs> and um, so to play that part in F was such a joy for me because, oh, and, and I went to a public school, there's the other joke, in the South. <laughs> and so I had my Northern accent beaten out of me very early when I was 11. I had to, I, I got bullied. So I had to conform. And, um, but it was interesting because the establishment did consider that film a stab in the back, um, where in fact, it was actually the very opposite. It was uh, very, I mean, God, you know, so many of these kids that were at these schools just so loved the movie. Mm. They so got it. They so saw it, the repression, the bullying, the psychological bullying and all that, you know. But it happens in every society. And I think that's why the film is such an important movie, you know, especially in England. But even in America, they got it. Mr. McDowell, I could talk to you all day about this, but that's our time. Congratulations on the show. I hope you get Thanks, to chat Richard. again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Nice talking right. to you. That was Malcolm McDowell. Now let's get to know British actor Benjamin Evan Ainsworth. He's known for portraying Miles in the Netflix series The Haunting of Bly Manor, or you may have seen him as William in Disney's Flora and Ulysses. You'll hear him as the voice of Pinocchio in Disney's live-action remake starring Tom Hanks. In Son of a Critch, he plays the title character, an 11-year-old just trying to make sense of the world around him. Benjamin joined me via Zoom from his home in England. Tell me a little bit about playing uh, Mark while you're working with Mark. Well, um, he, he said he doesn't want it to be a complete carbon copy of himself when he was younger. So uh, Mark himself has said, look, um, you can have artistic license to bring Mark Critch to your, to your own, you know, like you can choose the nuances you can you can create it which was really cool so i did and you know th there wasn't there wasn't much pressure because it was all loose and you know he had he had said look this is this is how it's going to be at the start so it was all comfortable even though i was playing him and he was there in the scene yeah. so it does get a loop of confusingness but <laughs> you know yeah it was all good and uh, i like that the show is set 
you know, many, many years ago, said in, you know, 40 years ago, but uh, it deals with a lot of topics like bullying and things that are, are still very much uh, in the news and, and things that we talk about today. I think that will be part of the show's appeal. What do you think the show uh, and the appeal of the show will be? Well, I, I think there are those um, there's pieces in it where they're talking about serious subjects, but they, they do it in such a heartfelt and, and warm way with the, with the humor built into it that I think it's 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 like viewing. But I think these the audience will think, OK, yeah, I'm learning things from this and I hope they, they'll take away a few things from it and, and understand that, you know, those things and, and also have a really good time watching the show, too. And you were working with Malcolm McDowell. Uh, tell me a little bit about the relationship uh, with him. I just spoke with him, and he said that on the show you're he he's the you're sort of touchstone. He you are he is the character that you go to uh, to talk to about things that are bothering you or whatever it might be. Tell me a little bit about working with a legend like Malcolm McDowell. Well, it he is a special actor and really nice. Um, we, we both support the same football You're listening club, to my interview so with team, Benjamin Evan um, Ainsworth, star Liverpool, of CBC television's um, so Son of a Fridge. We already have chemistry there. Um, <laughs> so that really helped with the, with the, with the, with the, the chemistry, you know, the chemistry needed um, scenes that we had. And I think Pop helps him rationalize the world because when, when he is in doubt or he's got bullied, you know, he, or he's in these positions at school, he always has Pop saying, no, it's all right, go on, carry on, carry on. So I think that relationship is, is crucial. And it's also, there's also some really, really nice scenes in there. So I mm. think the audience will love those. And when you were first shown this, had you read the book? Did you know anything about Mark Critch? Um, I hadn't, but as soon as I um, got the script in, we read it, loved it. So we got the book and I read it and really like Mark and the creative team were like the warmest, most collaborative team of people that I've done a Zoom with. It was so warm and I just had really positive vibes from the get go. So we read the book and we said, look, this this looks like it will be amazing. And we were lucky enough to get the part. And yeah, and the rest is history. Of all the terrible days of my lonely childhood. Name's Mark. St. Paul's Elementary, class of 85. The first day of junior high was the worst. That was Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, star of a new sitcom called Son of a Critch, airing right now on CBC Television. A big thanks to Benjamin and his co-stars Malcolm McDowell and Mark Critch. And let's not forget producer Tim McAuliffe for coming by to tell us all about Son of a Critch. Of course, as always, my biggest thanks goes to you for listening. I'm Richard Krause. Stay happy, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weird, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>